All right. So, Father, we just want to close out our, our morning by acknowledging your presence and just gathering together in Jesus' name. And, and um, God, we can have a fellowship one with another like we can't have with maybe even our biological brothers and sisters who uh who are at odds with with our with us or or with you lord we can come together in jesus name and open up the very word of god and and your spirit can do a work in our lives and lord <clears throat> there's nothing like it out in the world uh, so, Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for giving us fellowship in the ministry. And God, I don't know how, God, I don't know how you could take someone like me and then make me usable to actually be part of your kingdom. God, you you know us, and yet you you want to use us. Lord, that's, that's amazing to us. We just want to say yes. So God, you said whosoever will. So here we are. We're saying we will, God, but we need your help. Have your way in our hearts and minds this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just lift up these requests to you because you said that we can boldly approach your throne of grace and obtain mercy in time of need. So we lift up these needs to you, these the, the names, the families. God, we just beg you, protect them from the enemy. And, and we just protect them from distraction. Lord, and, and just allow us to love on them and use us, if you will. But God, we ask you would work in, in their lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So R is Redeemer. He is entering in. We got, this is week three in our little mini series about finding rest. Okay, so the S is for stop. Okay. So last week there was something we, we had to do. We had to like deliberately enter into a place where we're going to trust God according to his word. This week there's something we need to stop doing and it's an interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing, but so that's what we're talking about. If you were here last week, you saw how offensive it is for us to have God at his word. So God gave you his word. And you're like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't believe it. Like, that's what the nation of Israel did. They, God's like, I'm giving you the land. Go take the land. And they're like, we're not going to do it. We're just going to get killed. We're like grasshoppers. There's giants. Remember that? How is that not just basically calling God a liar? I know, God, you said, but this is what I think. And th maybe their fears were overwhelming. But, but the thing is, we're not supposed to fear men. We're supposed to fear to disobey God, right? Like, okay, so anyway, we, we talked about that last week. So we're looking at the S today. <clears throat> In order to rest, you have to stop working. Okay, so you, you can't actually, so literally, physically, work is like, I don't know, mass over distance or something. There's like a physics equation. Bruno or Mike or someone probably knows that. I don't know. Anyway, so so you can't literally, physically be working and resting at the same time. And, and we, we see that with Ruth because she's been out through both harvests 
gleaning in the fields. And now Naomi's saying, shall I not find rest for you? And we've studied this enough. That's all we've been talking about for a month. Okay. To know that the picture for us is not just physical work. It's a soul rest. Rest unto our souls. So we're going to look at this morning, how is it that I can find rest for my soul by stopping the working? So that's what we're going to be looking at. Our passage in Ruth is really the whole chapter of Ruth chapter 3. So, so let's look at that and let's read that together. We're just going to read all of Ruth chapter 3. It starts with, with verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter. Shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in. Uncover his feet, lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, that is, Ruth said unto Naomi, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down onto the floor, and did according to all her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly, and uncovered his feet, and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. That was her marriage proposal right there. That's what that is. And he said, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not after young men, whether they be poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Okay, so so the kinsman, redeemer, the lever at law, the, the inheritance comes through a husband, not through the father. We've already covered that. Okay, this potential Gentile bride's only hope at redemption comes through a husband, not through a father. Okay, so she's presenting herself to her near kinsmen, because that's what Naomi like was teaching her this law. She's presenting herself to be redeemed by Boaz. So there's nothing scandalous about this this is according to the law that's how they did it they didn't go down to the courthouse and get a marriage license and like this is this is according to the law but boaz is like oh hang on though hang on there's someone closer there's a nearer kinsman that we have to deal with so he puts the brakes on on the marriage proposal here he says terry where are we at verse 13 Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. Okay? And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another, so it's still dark. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. 
Also, he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he to me. For he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. So there's a lot there. So there's more there than we're, we're going to be able to see. Yes. Um, it can happen both ways. It can happen both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So the law provides for those who are in need. Okay. So the question is really, is there someone in need of redemption? If there is, here's the provision for it. So, so if someone's in need, they're going to know, like, they're going to know it. They're going to, they're going to, it's probably going to be the woman seeking re redemption most of the time. So you can read about that in different places in scripture. We see that happening where people refuse to do it. So good question. Okay, so one thing we we see in this passage, another way to just, we just read this passage, but it begins with Ruth seeking rest. The passage ends with the kinsman redeemer saying, uh, or the kinsman redeemer, who's not going to rest until he finishes that thing this day. So there's a lot that we could contextualize in there. I, I really love how the six measures of barley is like a code. He's like, ah, oh, here, six measures of barley. Take that to your mother-in-law. Naomi gets it. He's like, six measures of barley. Oh, the man will not rest until he finished this thing this day. There's a message in those six measures. Because why not seven measures? Why not four measures? Why not five measures? Six measures. Okay, God worked six days and then he rested. Naomi got, saw six measures of barley. Oh, this man will not rest until this thing is finished. It's like a secret Old Testament law, Jewish code that like the old people knew, but yeah. So, okay. So, so first point here, <clears throat> seeking rest implies a state of unrest that needs to be remedied, okay? Seeking rest implies a state of rest that needs to be remedied, and, and our story really goes back to the Garden of Eden, okay? And... That six days and then resting kind of takes us back to the garden there. But if if we if we go back to the garden, go back to Genesis chapter chapter two. So God created everything. He walked with Adam and Eve in, in the cool of the day. He gave them a perfect relationship. He gave them a perfect environment. He gave them something to do, and he gave them very simple instructions. Okay. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, keep the garden, 
and don't eat of that tree. That was it. Okay. They had fellowship with each other. They had fellowship with God. Look, look how Genesis 2 ends up. Okay. A husband and wife, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Okay. They were, they were naked, but that was fine. There's no shame that with it because where there's no sin, there's no shame. Okay. Now, what happens in Genesis chapter 3? The serpent shows up. The serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. Okay, that's not what God said. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. Wait a minute, they were naked before. They were naked in the last chapter. But they were at rest in chapter 2. Now their eyes are open. They knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, just like every day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Like God knows. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? What hast thou eaten of the tree where have I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man threw his wife under the bus. She did it. And the woman said, it's a snake. That did it. And then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're going to go on your belly. Congratulations. That dominion I just gave Adam and Eve, you have now subverted and you have dominion of this earth. You're going to be really close to it. You're going to eat of the dust of this place. You're going to go down on your belly. And there'll be enmity. And here's the proto gospel. This is, this is the first preaching of the gospel. The seed of the woman is going to bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his hill. Verse 16, the, the woman has her part in the curse. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband. He shall rule over thee. In medical school, I, you know, I rotated through, and in residency, I rotated through. And one thing that stuck with me as I rotated through my obstetric rotations, and I delivered babies for a while after I got out of residency, and and uh, but there's a there's a quote. So the women would come in and they'd be like, "My belly hurts, my hips hurt, I, I like I, things aren't working right." And this was the quote: "Pregnancy sucks. There's nothing wrong other than you're pregnant. Just." That goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, 
probably not going to preach a series on don't listen to your wives. Okay, but but Adam got in trouble and has eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns and thistles. You're going to be fighting and sweating the whole rest of your life on this cursed ground. Okay, what happened between Genesis 2 when it's perfect and they're naked, but no one's ashamed to the point where now they're hiding, they're covering themselves, they're deflecting, they're blaming themselves, blaming each other. They're, they're, they're now cursed and it's sweat and it's misery and it's menstrual cramps. And it's like, what happened? Where did the rest go? Unrest that needs to be remedied goes back to Genesis chapter three. When they ate, of the tree that God said, don't eat of it. Okay. Now, have you seen the, uh, have you seen the discovery channel show naked and afraid? Yes. Discovery channel has a show called naked and afraid. Look at Genesis chapter three, verse 10. And I said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. What the Discovery Channel has done is they have picked up on that. That's going to resonate with people. And they take a man, two strangers, and they're naked. And they have to survive together for two weeks or something out in the jungle or something like that. So they just have their little satchels, and they can each bring one survival item. And it's like kind of like... Adam and Eve who were expulsed from the garden and they're just like, oh, bummer. Like, so these people have, it's very Adam and Eve paradise lost-ish, this show, Naked and Afraid. And they just blur out the private parts. So it's an awkward show to watch. It's like voyeurism mixed with Survivor. I don't know. It, but Naked and Afraid, that is Adam and Eve. Okay. Unrest stems from unrighteousness. Now, one thing I want to point out here, I don't know how much time I'm going to have for this, but in Genesis 1 through 3, that's what we just read. We see Adam and Eve who were told to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, don't eat of the tree. They had very simple instructions in their perfect world you guys it was a perfect world there was no sin there was no guilt there was no shame uh they were living there in their innocence okay now did adam and eve's innocence keep them in a place of perfect relationship with god no because they ate of the fruit and the result of that is the curse and expulsion from the garden now fortunately okay in genesis chapter 3 god replaced their fig leaves with something else what did he cover them with yeah yeah is that verse 21 Yeah, Genesis 3.21, okay? Let 
Genesis 3.21, there was a sacrifice of an animal. Okay, and that animal skin became a covering for them. So then in Genesis chapter 4 through 8, we have Adam's descendants. So Cain was born. Eve's like, I've got a, 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 a man from the Lord. I have this child who's born. Okay. And then there was a sacrifice. Abel, okay, the next son, gave a lamb of the flock and God accepted that sacrifice. Cain brought his works from the cursed ground. God didn't accept that sacrifice, and Cain got really mad, remember? And what did God tell Cain? It's like, why are you all mad? What are you pouting about? Why is your countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall it not be accepted? So, so Adam's descendants, they, they were to just like do well, and it will be accepted, okay? That we saw in Genesis 4 that the... That the sacrifice so the sacrifice the animal that was the covering that sacrificial system was carried over okay did cain do well did, did just like listen follow your conscience do well okay no longer are, is it an age of innocence but now if they do well they shall be accepted did cain do well he murdered his brother and then as, as these descendants continued to reproduce, it got so bad, the whole world was corrupt, except for Noah and his family, okay? So murder, corruption, until what happened? The flood. God had to judge the flood. Okay, so then we have uh, Genesis 8-ish through 11. We have Noah. What did God tell Noah? Be, hey, hey, Noah, I'm giving you dominion over the whole earth. Everything's brand new. New earth, new family, new system. I'm giving you dominion, and what I want you to do is be fruitful multiply, replenish the earth, right? And then he gave them some rules to govern themselves. This was a time where, where now it's, it's human government because with these new rules, the dominion came, the law hasn't came, but there are some rules they give them and, and the families are divided out. And, and here's the thing, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. Take the dominion I've given you, take the image of God that I've put upon you, and I'll go ahead and replenish the earth. And did they do that? They multiplied. Did they scatter themselves across the whole earth? What did they do? They gathered together. This is what it says in Genesis 11. Lest we be scattered so that we won't be scattered let us build a tower that reaches to heaven let's make a name for ourselves what was that tower tower of babel is that what god told them to do 
God told them, I want you scattered. I want you to replenish the earth. They're like, we don't want to do that. So God judged that with, with scattering them, right? He confused their language. Okay. So now one thing, this did carry over, the sacrifice. As soon as Noah was off the ark, you know what he did? He built an altar and he made sacrifices and it was a sweet savor to the Lord in Genesis chapter 8. So that did carry over from this. Okay, but once all the people were scattered, now in Genesis chapter 12 through Exodus 19, we have Abraham being called out. And here's what God did. He said, listen, I'm giving you a promise. Okay, it's a promised land. All you have to do is believe me, trust me. Like, this is when he was like, hey, I want you to go. Abraham's like, okay, where? He's like, no, just go. I'll lead you along the way, Abraham. Like, he did that. But then there was tons of drama. Like, we read Genesis 12 through the end of Genesis, and it's like, there's nothing but, that sounds like my family. Like, just drama after drama after drama. So they were supposed to just believe God, believe the promises, the promised land in particular. But what happened was all this drama, and they didn't end up in the promised land, did they? They ended up in bondage to Egypt. Okay, but this was the time of the patriarchs. Okay, and then they, they didn't, you know, drama ended up with um, bondage in Egypt. Now, when they came out of Egypt, okay, the, the plagues, the last plague, the nation of Israel was protected and the, and the death angel passed over their families because a lamb was sacrificed. Okay, this is Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. The sacrificial lamb, the blood of the lamb was applied and the death didn't apply to them. And then from Exodus 19, to John 19.30, okay, God gave Moses the law as they came out of Egypt. God's people were supposed to keep the law. Did they do it? Nope. And guess what? They end, So this is the law. They didn't keep the law. Instead, they ended up in captivity. The northern tribes never to recover went into captivity to Assyria. The southern tribes to Babylon. And then they did come back. But by the time the Gospels come around, most of the Jews are just scattered out in the wind somewhere, living among other nations. Okay. Captivity. But... But, 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 okay, we do end up at John 19, verse 30. Praise the Lord. We'll get there in just a second. But here's the point, okay? This is on your handout. Humanity has proven itself incapable of returning to a place of rest through righteousness by human works, Okay. Adam and Eve couldn't do it, despite the fact that they lived in a perfect, sinless environment in relationship with God. Adam and Eve couldn't do it. They couldn't stay there, okay? 
Adam's descendants. All they had to do was do well. Listen, listen, just follow your heart, Cain. Just do well and it will be, you'll be accepted. And he didn't do well. None of them did. There was so much corruption. God had to flood the whole earth. Wow. Okay. So then Noah got the new start. He had dominion. He had the image of God. Like the whole planet was his. All he had to do was be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Like, and he, and he planted a vineyard and he got drunk and he was like all naked and just like, ah, wait, wait, that's not what you're, okay. So, so Noah couldn't do it. And Abraham, Abraham had the promises of God and he had the family. He had the family that was guaranteed to be blessed by God because God promised it. And he couldn't get back to a place of righteousness with God. They end up in bondage. So they end up expulsed from the garden. They end up with the flood. They end up being scattered. They end up in bondage. And then here comes God's chosen people with the covenant of God, with the promises, with the law. All you got to do is keep the law. And they didn't keep the law. Human history has proven that man knows there's unrest. And that's what motivates us to try to chase after things. But even God's people with God's program, can't come to that place of rest. And here's why we need to understand this, okay? Because sometimes we tend to think, if I had a redo, if I could just go back and if I wouldn't have done that thing and if I wouldn't have made that decision and if I could go back to a place where, where, where my past isn't bothering me, then I would do better. And I could, Adam and Eve couldn't do it. You can't do it either. And if you had a redo, you're just going to mess it up just like you did last time. And we think to ourselves, look, if I could just follow my heart, that's what Walt Disney's been telling you your entire life. How'd that work out for you? You can't follow your heart and come to a place of rest through righteousness with God. And, and if I just, maybe the government can save me. Okay, if I just got disability. Oh, okay. Maybe if my family wasn't so jacked up and I had God's blessing on my family and I knew that, then, then maybe I could come to a place of rest. Okay, maybe I can do better and try harder. So like you're rethinking that conversation. You're like, oh, wish I would have said this. Wish I would have done that. And next time I'm going to do better and I'm going to try harder and I'm going to keep the law. No, you're not. We, you guys, we can't get there. The law was never given to you to establish your righteousness. It was a schoolmaster to show you your inability to keep it. God justifies the ungodly. He doesn't justify people who don't need justified. The law brings us to Christ. And so the thing is, is if only this and I go and all these are just like, man, if I could only put those fig leaves on one more time. Okay, you know what Jesus did? Jesus came and 
is what he said. Come unto me, all ye that labor. Since Genesis chapter 3, you guys, listen, you've been laboring, you've been trying. And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Why don't you trade out this yoke? Okay, Jesus came. And this is John 19.30. Okay? Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary what Adam and Eve couldn't do, what his descendants couldn't do, what Noah couldn't do, what Abraham couldn't do, what Moses couldn't do, what the patriarchs couldn't do. Jesus Christ did it. He's like, I did it. Come unto me, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh my goodness, how did we miss that this whole time? Okay. Obedience to Christ is a light burden, mainly because he's our yoke fellow. Because I, I read that verse and it's like a little confusing. Like, hey, put my yoke on. Like the oxen have that big yoke. The purpose of the yoke is to connect two oxen together. So here's Jesus. And he's like, hey, come put my yoke on you. But it's easy, okay? Because he's our yoke fellow. He's like, hey, come walk with me. Put this on. Why don't you take off the fig leaves? Why don't you put on righteousness? Why don't you put off your works and put on my works? Come and join me. Does this make sense? Okay, so, so here's what we know from John 19.30. Okay, that's, that's this, John 19.30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. out his head and gave up the ghost okay our work is never done as long as we're here okay have, have you guys perfected righteousness in your lives the practice of no paul said i've not yet apprehended like i've not arrived yet if paul hasn't arrived yet we're not gonna arrive okay we're never gonna be done have you prayed all the prayers you need to pray have you studied all the bible you need to study have you witnessed all the people you need to witness to no, you're not done. Your work is never done until we get our glorified bodies and we're still a work in progress. So praise the Lord, you guys. It's okay to be a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. We can just quit trying to be self-righteous and all perfect and just be like, point to him. Okay, but because your works are never done, if you're trusting in your works, you're never at rest. But if you can trust in imputed righteousness, that is Jesus's righteousness, which is put upon you. So to impute, that's an accounting word. It means to, to take it and put it into your account. Or it's like Elisha's mantle that he wore that symbolized the power of God. And when Elisha took over, he took that mantle. Jesus is like, look, here, I've got this righteousness, and I'm going to put it upon you, kind of like a yoke. Okay. 
So we need to trust not in self-righteousness, not in all the things that we try to do to be right with God. We just need to trust in, in the imputed righteousness. That is what leads us to rest. That's my answer to the doubts and fears and the self-talk and the enemy and the accusations and the people who are like, well, you're not good enough. It's like, well, I was never good enough. I quit trying a long time ago. And here's what I want for us as a class. I want, can we just like move together, move forward in faith, resting in the imputed? Like when we walk through these doors, can we just join a group of people whose souls are at rest? Now we're going to be busy discipling the people that God uses us Okay, to win to Christ and disciple and train leaders. Like we're gonna have a lot to do, but but our souls are gonna be at rest. Does this make sense? Can we just do this together? That's just such a beautiful thing. Hebrews chapter four, okay, says this. Okay, here, let, let's just go to Hebrews four. Turn to Hebrews four. And we'll close up with this. And then we'll probably just do a group discussion. Because we're running short on time. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. This is after they're already God's people. This is after you're saved. There is a rest unto your souls. For he that has entered into his rest hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. There it is. That's the S in rest, is stop. Stop trying to earn what God's already given you. Let us labor. Okay, here's the weird part. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest. Well, that doesn't sound very restful, to labor, to enter into the rest. But here's the reason we're reading this. It's because you and I have spent our whole lives trying to do this. That's human nature. The need for rest implies unrest, and that is our world. That's how we grew up. Try harder. Do better. God's good. You're bad. What's wrong with you? Can't you get your act together? And you finally like, no. And I'm not trying to. I'm just going to trust that Jesus had his act together. He did everything right, and I now get his righteousness imputed unto me. Ooh. I don't have to try to earn it. None of those guys could do it. I, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to trust in the righteousness that Christ has provided. But because of the way I grew up, because of human nature, because of our natural tendencies, we have to work at it. Here's what Rome, uh, the rest of uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart look at verse 13 you maybe you've never seen this before neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are we're back to genesis chapter 2 being naked here's the question is there sin and shame like like genesis chapter 3 where people are trying to cover themselves or are like are we covered because the word of God does a work in us and it shows us these things. So, so here's the point. We're to labor to enter into that rest through belief. Rest was lost through unbelief. 
It is regained through believing, through trusting God. But to do that, we have to seize from our own works. We've got to take off the fig leaves and put on the righteousness of Christ, which is our covering. Now, this may take some laboring in the work, labor to enter into that rest. This is not an easily discerned like concept, is it? Like a lot of believers go through their whole lives and they're just stuck with this mindset. Next time I'll do better. Next time I'll try harder. And they're stuck in Romans 7. And eventually you're just like, look, the good that I would, I, I, I can't do it. The evil that I don't want to do, I end up doing that. Oh, wretched man, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And the answer, of course, is, well, Jesus will. He's already done that. You just have to come to that understanding and rest in that finished work. Okay, so let's, we, we actually have time. Let's do this. What Are you okay? Just. Yes. Earlier today, we just learned that circumstances change. The world is still a mess because of my view of Christ. So has the world always been a mess? Has it been all because of our the fall? We saw the world a mess, and so therefore it's no longer perfect. No, the the world. I I personally. So the question is. Was the world already a mess or did it become a mess in Genesis chapter three? And I think it became a mess in Genesis chapter three because there was they were going to live forever. There was no there was no death there. OK, man just had to keep the garden because there's a snake on the planet. OK, because he got cast down. And that's a, that's another conversation. But why don't we do this? That's, we've, we've got some time. Uh, let's go ahead and break up into our groups. Now, here's the question. Here's the question for discussion. How do human religions prevent people from resting? Okay. And can you give a specific example, maybe from experience or something like that? Like, don't talk bad about the church next door necessarily, if you can help it. But, okay. So let's do that. Break up into your groups. If you need to go get your kids, then you can just step out at 12:10. But let's, we'll just close up in our small. Oops, okay, so um, make sure everybody gets a chance to share. Okay, all right.